Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are life coaches Cindy Chavez and Jackie Gates. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Indeed we are, and I'm going to start us off today by telling you guys a little bit of a story. I was out taking my usual daily constitutional, my four-mile walk that I like to do, and enjoying nature, enjoying the beautiful weather that we experience here in the fall in New England, and uh, a little bit surprised because we aren't experiencing the color yet. The color is slow in showing up this year, but it'll be coming in the next week or so, but uh, that didn't stop me from enjoying it and feeling it, and as I'm walking along, my mind was just kind of you know, meandering from one topic to the other, and suddenly I found myself thinking about something, and in a flash, I was just like zooming through it, and about a minute later, I said, oh my God, this, this is a really interesting train of thought going on here. So I wanted to share it with you, see what you ladies think about it. And it all starts with Sir Isaac Newton, who, of course, came up with his three laws of motion. The first one being that an object in motion tends to stay in motion, and an object at rest tends to stay at rest. And that's where my mind went off the rails. Because I realized something really interesting that Sir Isaac Newton never would have ever considered because it would require knowledge of something that didn't come into human awareness until Einstein. And that is the nature of everything being vibrational. Mm -hmm. And as I thought about it some more, I realized, you know what? There are no objects that ever stay at rest. There are none. The most that we can ever say is that they stay relatively positioned to another object for some period of time so that they're relatively not moving. But that's about the most we can say about it. And even that falls apart after a while. I mean, mountains move. Mm -hmm. They move incrementally slow, but they move. Continents move. Continents move, that's right. Mm -hmm. And how often do we do measurements from continents? I mean, all the time. Yes. So Newton was right in the context of a space-time continuum like we're working with here where none of us are, are you know, rocketing through space at uh, the speed of light and that kind of thing. As long as we stay relatively in the slower ranges, it, it holds okay. And, and this is one of the things that quantum physicists have been telling us. One of the things they don't talk about, though, because this starts to get into the more spiritual side and quantum physicists don't generally like to go there, although there are a few that do, but most of them don't like to. And that is the area that we talk about in conscious creation about everything being vibratory. Everything is made up of source energy, right? And indeed, all of mass is made up, is, is created from source energy and is constituted of source energy and is kind of stationary source energy. <laughs> it's, that's, that's the basic idea that we all are operating under here. Well, if that's true, then literally nothing is ever at rest. So what does that do to our understanding of, first of all, the laws of motion? And more importantly, what does it do to enhance our understanding of how conscious creation works and how energy works and how mass works and all this other stuff? And, and it occurred to me that we can kind of describe it from four different viewpoints. One viewpoint is what I'll call the earthly viewpoint, you know, the physical viewpoint. You know, we, we can do, scientists do this all the time. You know, uh, engineers do it all the time, measuring how fast something's going to accelerate or how fast it's going to decelerate or, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So that's the earthly viewpoint. Then the second viewpoint would be 
uh, I guess what I would call the emotional viewpoint. Uh, I know Cindy likes particularly to use the phrase emotion is, is energy in motion. And, and now, of course, we're kind of moving a little bit more into the, the spiritual realm. But nevertheless, I think all of us here agree that that's true. We also are advocates of law of attraction, which is that what you think leads to other stuff. Well, that's creating motion as well because it's setting the universe in motion. And kind of like the corollary with that one is belief, thought being, um, uh, I'm sorry, belief being thought that you keep thinking over and over again. So it kind of builds that momentum that Jackie was talking about before we got started here. And then the final one is perspective. Because, and this is where it gets really interesting. Every time we have a perspective, we influence energy. Because we can't stop focusing. It's not possible for us to stop focusing. No matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, we're focusing on something. Even if we're focusing on nothing, we're still focusing on something. <laughs> so those are like the four aspects of it. The way I look at it, there's focus or perspective is probably the more accurate way to say it. Perspective, thought and belief, emotions, and then physical motion. And then when we take into account that everything is vibratory, and everything can shift around, then all four of those things play a role to one degree or another in everything moving around. And I, it also made me think about how there's, I can't remember what they call it, the um, the observer effect is, is the more general way of describing it. Um, the idea that if, if a person or any energy entity, doesn't have to be a human, Energy, energy entity is looking at something, is observing something, it's going to behave differently from when it's not being observed. And when you look at it that way, it's like, is, is it really possible to have a universe where there is anything that's still for any moment in time? And that's where I realized, no, it's not possible. Everything is always in motion. Always. It's just a question of, is it, where is it going? relative to something else or someone else or some group else. <laughs> now, why, why am I finding that to be interesting? Because to me, it creates a different feeling, a different theory, if you will, a different perspective of how all this stuff works. Because now I can describe all of this law of attraction, conscious creation and so forth. If I really want to, without any reference, to the spiritual side. I can just describe it in terms of perspective, thought, emotions, and then physical action. Oh, by the way, that's the part I left out of the physical action. We're doers. Human beings are doers. We like to do all over the place. And so that's where we get engaged in the physical action part. So I'm just considering this to be a framework for discussion. And I'm curious, first of all, what do you think of the framework? And second of all, what is a cue in your minds? I want to, oh, go ahead. I wanted to just ask, um, uh, I want to question the, what you think, Walt, within your theory of the moment of changing direction. The moment where you come to, like we talk about Mercury, right? Retrograde at the moment that we talk about it's station direct. Where is that moment? And again, Mercury is not going backwards, just so everybody knows, but it's, it's a case of, you know, it just looks like that again. That, 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 that validates your perspective thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the perspective side, but when we are in motion, 
and we change direction. It's a, it's the same theory to me as if we take a circle and we go close enough along that line, if we get really, really close, we have a straight line. Mm -hmm. cur it's not curved anymore. It's a series mm -hmm. of straight lines at angles, right? So right. what about the lull between directions? The lull between directions. In other words, when something changes direction, mm -hmm. whether it be a, yeah. a thought, an or object, you whatever. Focus or you change a thought. Mm -hmm. Where does, what does that happen? Where, where does that fit in the, is the motion change of direction instantaneous? The thought, because I know a thought can be in a nanosecond. We know that. And reality takes a, you know, reality, the, the co-created stuff takes a little longer to catch up. How do we zero in on that moment of change? That moment where Schrodinger's cat is either dead or alive. <laughs> that poor cat. That cat has I been know, through right. hell, let me yes. tell you. Yes. <laughs> We're both dead and alive if you're going to go into Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I actually have a thought I want to follow on that. But before I do, Cindy was ready to practically burst at the seams. So I wanted to bring her in with what she had to say, too. Well, just two things. The first thing is that you were talking about the emotion, the emotional part, and that emotions are towards the spiritual, but emotions are physical. We Emotions happen in the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So think about if I'm talking to you and I'm telling you that yesterday, you know, something happened and I was really sad about it. That's not happening. That's just a thought. It's just a statement that you're hearing. Mm -hmm. Now, if something happens in your life that creates sadness in you, you feel it in the body. That's the difference between having an emotion and talking about an emotion or thinking about an emotion. Okay. In the sense that you experience the emotion, it is it is a physical thing. And then the other thing that I thought about was just the whole vibratory thing. Like we think of people that uh, practiced animism where rocks and crystals are alive. Mm -hmm. The reason why we don't see them as animated is because the vibratory rate is so much slower than our mm -hmm. vibratory rate that they don't, <laughs> you know, right? So they're moving. Like you said, like Jackie said, mountains, continents are moving. So, um, I was just thinking about that, that it, we don't always perceive it. You're talking about perspective. We don't always perceive it because of the rate of difference of the vibration, slow, slow vibration and faster vibration, but a change in perspective changes the vibration. Mm -hmm. like we recognize that just in little everyday things, right? We say, Oh, I, someone said something to me and it totally changed my perspective and I felt so much better. You know, our vibe changed. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So as far as, you know, changing directions, I think that uh, we're always changing directions. Yes. <laughs> I agree with that completely. And that was going to be the beginning of my answer to Jackie, that there is no such thing as a 
uh, a vector that stays in one direction. So that's a theoretical construct that mathematicians like to use, but in reality, it don't happen anywhere. <laughs> Everything's curving all over the place continuously. Mm -hmm. Everything is changing direction all the time. In fact, I had a little cartoon in my mind that kind of illustrated it. I, I imagined, uh, okay, so we're all godlike. We all have the ability to control and to consciously create and so forth. So you have an, up in the right-hand corner of the screen, you have one godlike human and other in the left-hand corner of the screen, there's a little dog down on the floor and bo both of them are shouting at the dog. One says, leave, and the other one says, stay. And the dog looks at you and says, what's the dog to do? I don't know. <laughs> because he's getting all these different stuff coming at him at the same time. And, and I mean, it was kind of cute, but it also illustrated for me, we are dealing with not just vectors and forces and 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 changes in in direction and so forth we're dealing with an almost infinite number of source energy perspectives constantly interacting with everything mm -hmm. you know so th this is like a a um, analytical mathematician's nightmare trying to figure out how do you calculate all that <laughs> i'm sure there's math for it there probably me. is somewhere but it's going to be a very high <laughs> level of calculus let me tell you mm -hmm. um it's yeah it, it's a challenge trying to figure all this stuff out and and actually i think what both mathematics and science tend to do after a certain point is they, they just try to, to create as chaos because there's no good way to measure a lot of it so you just mm -hmm. well it's just chaos and we'll just understand it as chaos and that's where chaos theory comes from mm. Yeah. And even the vibration is movement. I mean, you're looking mm -hmm. at something vibration, it's going backwards and forwards. That's right. Slowly or, or, or quickly as it said. And, um, you know, a cell that is alive is vibrating faster than a cell that is decaying. But once the cell is dead and it, and it pauses for that and it starts to decay, then it picks up pace again because I love those things where they, um, they study how bodies decay and how things decay. That it's very sort of morbid, <laughs> um, but but it's really fascinating. And I hadn't realized how decay speeds up. Um, yes. Just the same way life speeds up, right? Mm -hmm. We start off as this little cell, and then it goes faster and faster and faster and faster, and then we start to slow down, and then there's that pause when we die and then those motion starts we the decaying motion starts and we go 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 until it's fast and then we join the plants um which my son says is his theory he thinks plants just raise us as food um because okay. because we eventually end up back in the soil anyway time-lapse photography yes oh, yeah. and it's amazing Netflix has a show right now called Fantastic Fungi. I love that show. I was show. going to suggest oh. that too. Oh my lord, so good, so good. Isn't it and when I'm literally when I'm, it's fantastic, and it was fantastic. Yeah, when I'm it when really I'm is. sipping when I'm sipping my mushroom latte in the morning, it's like a huge <laughs> new appreciation, a changing perspective, for sure. <laughs> So I, I took this uh, this little framework of, of thinking and started applying it to a lot of the stuff we talk about on the show and what we talk about in general in, in conscious creator circles. Um, speaking of circles, one of the things that we end up talking about uh, in many different contexts is people who um, get themselves into kind of a loop, you know, like they... Um, they want to focus on X, but they find themselves going back to Y and then they pull themselves back to X and then they're back to Y and it's like back and forth. Well, that's a vibration. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that's yeah. a vibration going on right there, you know, it and is. it's a vibration. It's deliberately based on focus here, focus there, focus here. It's just back and forth. Focus, 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 focus. But so, you said loop. Well, and sometimes it's a spiral. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, loops right. are, and spirals are kind of loop actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a spiral is basically a three dimensional loop. Right. So sometimes it feels like we've come back around to the same spot. But that's not really possible, is it? Mm-mm. We've Probably not. Something, we've changed, we've grown, we've aged, whatever. And we might be right at the same spot. And that can feel and seem frustrating. But if we take a different perspective, we can realize, wait a minute, I'm not in the same spot. I've experienced some things since I've come back to this spot that will help me navigate, you know, moving in whatever direction we're moving. Not sure if that's what you meant, but it, no, it fits in beautifully actually with what I meant. Um, I, what I, what I really mean to do is to explore all the different ways that I can within the short period of time I was spending, just noticing all of the ways that stuff is constantly in motion, that humans are constantly in motion, that energy is constantly in motion, that objects are constantly in motion, that anything I can imagine is constantly in motion, and in motion in ways that almost defy belief like oh i hadn't realized that was a motion but it is a mo- oh, that's a motion too it's just, it's it's everywhere mm-hmm. i think it's really helpful and a hopeful kind of train of thought to think that change is constant you know that everything's always moving for me anyway uh, i would call it continuity yeah. yeah it's a form of continuity in fact i kind of now i appreciate very much the the perspective that the isaac newtons of the world had because in their mind, almost everything was at rest. <laughs> mm. Think about that. that mm-hmm. That's where a lot of uh, traditional mm-hmm. physics comes from. It comes from the idea that, well, you have objects here, objects there. They're, they're, yes, there are certain relationships between them, but, you know, the mountain stays there and the valley stays there and the star stays there and all, you know, and the sun moves slowly across the sky, but, you know, it's all very orderly and, and, you know, very much like a, a very easy to diagram merry-go-round. That was the perspective. And now all of a sudden, all of that is, well, simplistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to put yeah. it mildly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very different feeling. I guess the reason I was even on this chain of thought was I remember not all that long ago, certainly after I started doing the podcast, I remember still kind of being in that mindset, that Newtonian mindset where things that are at rest really are at rest. And trying to understand how vibration could actually be playing a role in my life and in things around me and in the universe in general and so forth. And now I'm I'm trying to remember the, I'm trying to imagine the opposite. How can there possibly be not vibration going on? So I see this as a way of, of me kind of giving my graduation thesis about this is where I've graduated from (laughs) one place to the next. Like, oh, wow. We have an yeah. entirely, and, and, and by the way, this view of life, the universe, and everything, I like it a whole lot better than the one I had before. Yeah. It feels better. Seriously. I think mm-hmm. that's why I like that time-lapse photography, because things mm-hmm. that we normally think of as really not moving, we realize when we see, you know, plants growing and blooming and blossoming and decaying, it's like, no, things are moving. So for me personally, you know, that always helps me. When I feel stuck. Yeah. Or like, That's the like word. Fast enough, right? It's like, no, I remember 
when I was still really, really young, for some reason, this thought, whenever I would be thinking that things weren't moving fast enough, or I was looking forward to something that just felt like it was never going to get here. I always used to tell myself as a, as a kid, you know, is that the clock never stops. So it's like, it's going to get here. Time, time doesn't stop. And then getting older and recognizing, um, and then especially after becoming a coach and working with people specifically around change, right? We want something to change. That's why people hire coaches is that things can change so fast. Yes. Like, I mean, I know we've all had that experience where something in our life was going in one direction and something maybe even, you know, unbeknownst to us, something happens and everything changes in an instant, like, you know, changes on a dime. And I always remind myself of that too. If I'm feeling like things aren't happening fast enough or I, I, I'm stuck with knowing how to get something to change, like, no, anytime we start thinking it's never going to change, you know, that is causing some kind of resistance as well. So it's like mm -hmm. just recognizing, no, we have no idea. All of this, all of this stuff that we want different, it can change in a heartbeat. And it often does. Yes. Like that's what I see is it often does change really quickly. I think once we let go of any kind of presuppositions we have about the change itself that we want to see happen. In the context of this conversation, I love that you picked the word stuck. That was the word that was in the back of my mind. And I was trying to pull it out and say, okay, what was that word? I know it. I've been thinking about it before. The word stuck. It is now in my new understanding, as I've been laying it out here, it is now impossible to be stuck because stuck means staying in one place. It's just and nothing ever stays in one place. It is not possible to be stuck. Yeah, that's awesome. It's kind of scary, really, because now all those times I was blaming myself on being stuck. I, I really wasn't stuck. Well, I basically... your excuses have disappeared. <laughs> yeah, it, right. Yeah, I know, right? One thing <laughs> no that's so simple is that when you feel stuck, you know, move. I mean, that sounds so oversimplification here, but really, like, you're sitting at your desk, you're working on something and you feel stuck, go take a walk. Mm. Because it's sort of like that butterfly effect, and it ties right into what you're talking about, right? Because the more we move, the more everything moves, because everything affects everything else. So get up and dance. Get up and move. Get up and take a walk. Change your activity. Yeah, yes, that really helps. It mm -hmm. really does. And yet sometimes we just stay in one place, in one position, and try to think our way out of it. But the more the more I pay attention to embodiment and how important it is to get our body involved and not just stay in our head, the more I see that happening in small, but really powerful ways like that. It's like, okay, I'm getting out of this office. I'm going to go take a walk. And when I come back, everything's different. I will give you some, some practical magic on that. When I did, um, what I called LOA nesting, which was right at the very beginning. I used to try and find a house care task that would mirror the thought thing I was trying to undo. So, for example, if I was feeling stuck on my next steps, I would then get up and decide that I would clear my floors. And as I was sweeping, I would say to myself, as I clear my path, my path clears. I can see my steps. My step is clear. I can, you know, I'm clearing my steps. I'm clearing the floor. I'm, I'm making it. 
if I wanted to see something more clearly, then I would go and maybe wipe a few mirrors. I can see myself clearly. I can see the, I can see what I need to do. I can see clearly now. Um, cue that song from the seventies. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, if, if you want something to heat up, then, Go make tea. Go make, you know, go, go boil something. It's like, this is, things are heating up for me now. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's interesting that when we do a correlative action, like Cindy says, movement is movement. You, you know, you are because you are just starting the kind of movement that you want. And when you do that, because this is a vibrational universe, you will have things that will come up and vibrate in unison with how you're trying to make things do. Uh, you know, so this is how, this is where my manifesting magic started, is that I started acting as if and moving forward and actually moving in the way that I wanted to be moving other things to be moving. And yeah, yeah. it's resonance. It's resonance. It's exactly yeah. that. I find it fascinating that over the years I've heard from many life coaches, including you two ladies, um, who have given all kinds of really interesting pieces of advice. And here's how you can do this, how you, how you can climb out of that and so forth. And, and for the longest time, I was just amazed. Like, how did, how did you come up with the stuff that, you know, this very simple step that you take and all of a sudden things change? Well, now I understand. It doesn't take a whole lot to change it. <laughs> no, it's only the thought that it takes a lot. That means that it's a takes a lot, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, when, when we're, when we think of something that we have to do and then we think it's hard, we now have a twofer to work through, <laughs> right? Whereas before, if we just do it, we can put all that stuff aside and we don't get in our, literally get in our own way. Mm -hmm. Which we're very good at. <laughs> we are, yeah, we are very masterful. good at getting our own way. And yet, despite the fact that we're so good at getting in our way, we still can't come to rest. We still can't get stuck. As this much as we try to mm -hmm. just make every, everything's going to stay the way it is, we can't do no. it. <laughs> no. That's so interesting. Not, not completely. It is good, though, sometimes to attempt. To oh, get, so. yeah. I think you Absolutely. can slow your movement down to where it's imperceptible, <laughs> which looks like resting, but, mm. um, but yeah, it's, but you're still moving. Um, yes, because we want you to keep breathing, everybody out there, just that, that is like required. So, um, it's but very yes. valuable, especially yeah, for it's very valuable. Life. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, it is an interesting thing. And this is a perspective shift, you know, it's just like, it, 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 when we throw our hands up and say it's not working, well, what if it actually is? How? What if, from a different perspective, it does look like it's working? You know, it's like it's a bamboo that takes that grows underground for seven years before you ever see a shoot above ground. It, it would be so easy to say it's not growing. Mm -hmm. We, my, my husband, bamboo, he, he farms bamboo. So I'll be back. <laughs> yes. It, it reminds me of, um, a, a little mini story within a novel by Robert Heinlein, the science fiction author. He posited the idea of a race of beings who live in the sun 
who he, he titled as flame beings. And these flame beings, from the perspective of a human, live lifetimes that last a matter of seconds. But he also pointed out that from the flame being's perspective, those few seconds felt like a lifetime. And so those flame beings looking back at humans would just see these static things just kind of staring at them, doing nothing. <laughs> like mountains looking at vibrating. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of amazing. So yeah, there, there's no such thing as as being still. There's there's relatively still. There's relatively at rest, mm -hmm. but there is no such thing as at rest. And I find that to be very comforting, actually. I find that to be reassuring. Like, wow, I I can't go wrong. It reminds me of the Abraham Hicks saying, "You'll never get it done, and you'll never get it wrong." Yeah, yeah. That's I've been playing a lot with um, the work of Byron Katie which I first learned about actually when I was in coaching school, it was part of my practicum when I, uh, when I was in coaching school. So, you know, a dozen years ago or so. And every, I, I realized today that about every four or five years, three or four years, I, I kind of revisit it. Mm. But, you know, Byron Katie wrote a book called loving what is. And that's kind of the, the entire premise is that suffering is caused by our stories about whatever's going on. Not about, not really by what, I mean, it's a Buddhist premise, right? It's like mm -hmm. all suffering is caused by either attachment or aversion. But if we can recognize, like Jackie said a few minutes ago, you know, oh, things are going wrong. Well, what if they're not? What if things are actually very right? And when you open my armoire, I have, post-its all over the inside of it and one of them says everything is very very right mm. right like everything is going right everything is working out perfectly it doesn't mean it's always comfortable <laughs> yeah That's and true. i want and i want to just preface that um because i think we can stray into gaslighting ourselves by saying that um just that you know if somebody's really suffering the worst thing you can do is go yeah but what if this is really good for you i would um, never do that no no i know but 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 people who read these things they will tend to do that they don't have the skill set to say this is a perspective and it sucks right <laughs> But it is, it is important to acknowledge the, the, the experience that we're having and then start looking for something different. Um, because that pivot, that pivot feels unkind and, um, and can cause a lot of trauma and a lot of, uh, it's where, to me, it's the diciest part of, of us knowing that everything's a thought, right? It is really because there's still there's still co-created realities that we have to navigate. Absolutely. And, we, and people still suffer every day. All yeah, of us. But yes. it's the recognition that the suffering is optional. And that we will you know, pain is inevitable. Life mm -hmm. on earth comes with pain. But suffering is optional. It's a very freeing thing to recognize. So I'm not talking about gaslighting people and telling them that it's all in their head. Oh, no, I didn't think you were. I just wanted to put the caveat on. 
but it's important to recognize that when we are suffering, it's because of attachment or aversion. If we can get there, then we can dissolve it, mm-hmm. right? We can alchemize it into something better. But what comes first when you're not talking about your own self, your own thoughts, and you're talking about working with someone else is always kindness and compassion. Those things have to be first. It's acknowledgement and validation. Those things have to come first, of course. So yes, thank you for saying that because that's a very important point that we have to have compassion when people are suffering, of Mm -hmm. course, and then we can help them understand what's causing the suffering. But they Mm -hmm. come to that conclusion on their own. They don't get told that. Byron Katie probably does tell them that. Um, (laughs) He's pretty blunt. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of my teachers um, that was standing up and talking in a situation of a class with her. And she said, honey, do you think any of us care what you have to say? (laughs) Wow. I I wouldn't say that, but I'm not Byron Katie. Um, Mm -hmm. She talks about how that affected her for the next year and a half. She didn't ever want to speak up. But Mm. then she talks about what happened after that and how her life was completely changed for the better because she finally got a hold of what was driving some of those behaviors. So, you know, it it can get complicated, but I think that that's an important thing to recognize is that, you know, we're talking about vibration and movement and being stuck and feeling stuck. And so many times when we feel stuck, we completely beat ourselves up. And those are all stories too. But we all have we all have our stories, right? We do. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me throw in, let me throw in another element of what I was thinking about because I I think it ties into what you ladies are talking about right here, and that is if everything is always in motion, that there's no such thing. There there might be temporary relative state of rest, but there really is never a state of rest. Things are are always changing, always moving. As long as that's the case, then when we can apply that same thought to ourselves and what we're experiencing in our, our lives. From our perspective, everything in our lives is either moving toward us or away from us, or to put it another way, we're moving toward it or away from it. You can look at it either way you want to. But the point is, there's always a change in relative position, whether it's physical position, emotional position, thought position, however you want to look at it, there's a change position going on at all times. And I realized it, it dovetails nicely with what um, what we talk about when we talk about how um, law of attraction works, uh, the idea of attracting what you like and want, attracting what you don't like and don't want because you're attracting lack and all these kinds of things. It's, it's always something moving toward, moving away from, or it's moving toward us or away from us at all times. And that means that, that well, I, this is what I think. I'm, I'm going I'm to be curious to see what you guys think about this. To me, this means there really never is a neutral position anymore. Neutrality is something that kind of gets discussed a lot in, in our circles, depending on whose theory you're looking at or, or whose thought process, whose framework you're, you're talking about. Um, for instance, in the Thai practice, um, Neutrality, neutrality of thought is, is considered a very desirable thing because in, in that belief system, um, when you can achieve the neutrality of thought, you'll actually rise up in vibration. Um, on the other hand, you have the Abraham Hickses of the world who tell us that neutrality is really just another way of saying negative. That if you're not, if you're not in the place of joy, everything else is below joy. So you're in a, you're in a more resistant space of some kind. Um, and, and 
it always was a little bit confusing to me. Like, well, okay, so what exactly is neutrality? What does neutrality really imply? And so forth. And, and with this new construct that I put together, this new uh, mind palace, if you want to call it that, um, there's no such thing as neutrality anymore. There's no more neutral positions. There's only moving toward or moving away. Are you saying that I'm trying to get an idea of what you mean when you say neutrality. And I think that it sounds like you're saying that different systems of thought have different meanings for that. I word. think that's true. Yes. And that's part of where I the confusion think comes in. As non-resistance, like I'm not overly grasping, but I'm also not pushing it away either. Like I'm kind of in that space of, of non-resistance in that space of like, if it happens, it happens. Um, but maybe, I don't know, is that what you mean when you say neutrality? It's an excellent question. And I think that's part of the problem. I don't think we have a clear objective idea of what neutrality is. Everybody's going to have a little bit of a different idea of it. For me, neutrality now, in terms, especially in terms of this conversation, neutrality is that state of rest that you can never achieve. <laughs> that's that state of relative position that never changes. Well, I don't think that exists anymore. And that's why I don't think there's any such thing as neutrality anymore. But that's just I'm defining neutrality in terms of relative rest. Well, you know, when people learn about law of attraction and they say, oh, my gosh. And then they realize, like, they're manifesting all these things, like a great parking space. And like, and then at some point they're like, how come I can manifest all these little things that I don't really care about? Mm -hmm. But I'm having trouble manifesting something bigger when Abraham says it's just as easy to manifest a button as a castle. Right. How come I got buttons everywhere, but the castle's not happening? <laughs> and my earliest teacher said, because the, the person answered the question said, how come it, it's only easy when it's something I don't care about? And he said, it's not that you don't care about it. It's that you're not attached to the outcome. Right. Right. And so. I, I always just consider that to be non-resistant, but in the framework that you're putting it, it's like it would have to almost like stop vibrating to be neutral, right? Pretty much. Yeah. And it's not, it's still, maybe it's just moving around in its stuckness. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Jackie, what do you, what, what do you, what do you think of when you hear neutral neutrality? Neutral to me is that moment between moving forward or moving back. And there has to be that moment. A change of direction will not, a change of direction ha must have a point where one direction, where you stop moving in one direction and start moving in another direction. And it could be that nanosecond, but there has to be that moment where you are neither moving forward nor back. It, there has to be. Otherwise, how do you go from moving forward to backward? Are you familiar with, with uh, the concept in meditation of the gap? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The gap is the gap would be that that moment of neutrality. But I think I think trying to make it a state, like a long term state, I don't think that's possible. But I do think that there can be moments of and there has to be that 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 shift. I think that's where the shift is. But it can be so quick. Um, that you don't see it. I don't know that a state of, um, I don't think a state of neutrality is, I don't think is optimal, actually. I think you need to be moving forward or definitely moving backward, depending on what the situation calls for. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, I think that 
Let, let me try, let me try addressing what you're talking about here. Cause I, I think mm-hmm. I have a way that might help frame it. Um, we can let, let's, let's use the word instance. I'm going to draw mm-hmm. this from, from computer programming language right. way of thinking about things. So an instance is, is one slice of time, so to speak of mm-hmm. duration zero. Yes. So there has, it's, a, it's an instance that is zero seconds long, but in that instance, you can describe a state and a state state meaning static. It is a static mm-hmm. frame, like a, like a frame in a movie. You know, mm-hmm. you play it in the movie, you don't even notice it. But if you stop the movie, you can see that frame and say, okay, there's a slice in time. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're, and to you're me, talking about a place be... that has a zero duration. Yeah. And that would be where we change direction, where we change perspective, where we change mm-hmm. focus, where we, where we reach a chance to think something, choose a better thing thought for one thing. You know, it's just like there's that, there has to be in motion a point where the vibration is so slow, it is static. That's where we collapse all the other possibilities and realize the one possibility that mm-hmm. becomes the next direction. Yes. Yeah. There's because I, I subscribe to a multiverse theory where there is, there are all the things that you want and the versions of you that you want to be and the things you're intending and stuff, they are all available to you. And I always picture myself as, you know, in the Vanna white gown and I'll go, I'll have that option and I'll have that option and I'll have that option. And then all the TVs adjust because I have made an observation. I have made a choice, a decision, an intention, right? And everything then starts to collapse. Um, and my job is to keep tapping that same screen, not to go racing off to the other end of the sea and go, hey, and this one. And it's like, <laughs> now wait, how, um, anything. Or they give me what I used to ask for because that's the way the universe works. But it is, but there is this idea that, um, you're, you're picking, you get to choose vibrations, right? That is motion. So you're, you're choosing how fast you want it with the direction and the speed, um, of that's what manifestation boils down to is a, is a focus direction and speed. Um, so, but there has to be that moment where you go tap or where you stop tapping that one screen and going and you, you make a choice. And in that choice, because of the pivot, you have to have just that instance of neutrality. Now let me throw another, um, spanner into it here and that is what happens when someone tries to stretch out that sense of neutrality with their thought process because my my suspicion my my hypothesis is that that's where they get themselves into trouble i would think so too agreed i think so too i think um that's that to me is analysis paralysis that's that moment where everything is available and you think you can stay here, but the trouble with being at a crossroads is that you're going to get run over in all directions. Um, And so, you know, it really is, you need to, you need to get going in one, just make a decision. doesn't matter which way you go, make a decision and then change your mind. 
or or you may not get run over, but you may be in the middle of Times Square and have 50 different taxi drivers all honking their horns at you at the same instant. But yes, it's the same yeah. general idea. Yeah, it is. I was watching a thing on Italy the other uh, yesterday, and there is in the middle of um, I can't remember, but he comes up on a pillar, and he has this very he has white gloves, and he directs traffic like they have done for a hundred years, and it's almost mm-hmm. balletic. It's so good. Oh and yeah. All these crazy drivers, they're following this one little guy on a pedestal. And I'm going, and this is amazing. And out of all this chaos, he suddenly puts motion and direction and order. And it's, oh, it's just so fabulous. And that's how I, I, I sort of think, I'd love to direct my life like that. It's like, let me move towards the million dollars. Let me move towards the, you know, the perfect weight. And over here, we'll just bring in, uh, you know, some fabulousness of a different kind. And it's just like orchestrated. I think that's fabulous. But there still has to be a moment where you are, where you take stock and choose. And that to me is that instance as you, and I love the word, an instance. Yes, and I have to give that credit to to the programming community because they're the ones that came up with that one. They figured that's Mm -hmm. the best way to describe one slice in time. And I agree with them. Mm -hmm. It's an excellent way to do it. I think one of the reasons I also brought up the idea of trying to maintain that slice of time, trying to stretch it out a little bit and how that can get you in trouble. I realize that's what I've been doing the last couple of days. I've been doing it in the context of everybody knows who listens to this podcast. They know that I've got this project that I've got going on where I have a programmer doing work for me. And I had reached a point, I even talked about it yesterday, where I had nothing else to do. I mean, the assignment has been given to the developer. I have Mm -hmm. somebody else who's doing some other work. Their assignment is in place. And I felt like I needed to do something else. (laughs) And at the same time that I'm feeling that, I'm also feeling, when is this going to show up? I've been waiting for this all my life, I have to wait another 30 days. Are you kidding me? You know, and I'm playing this whole thing in my mind, of course, making myself more and more miserable in the process. And then I had this, this epiphany today and I thought, well, there's an interesting way of looking at what it is I'm doing to myself. I am trying to stretch out a moment in time to my own detriment and I'm not willing to stop. And so it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> And when I looked at it that way, all of a sudden, it was so much easier to let go and say, well, the programmer's doing his thing, the, you know, the other employee's doing their thing, all this stuff. It's all going. It's going fine. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's, it's always impossible, for it, it's yeah, impossible for it to not go fine. I want to interject a different point of view on this. Okay. Um, because we might be talking about different things. Because I've always recognized... Um, the gap in meditation that I mentioned a while ago, it's actually the point between breaths. So in between an in-breath and an out-breath, there's that instant. Mm -hmm. You know, unless we're specifically trying to hold, you know, an in-breath and then an out-breath, it's it's an instant where we breathe in and we breathe out. But in meditation, there is that still point. And it's very small, like an instant. And one of the goals is to be able to be in that still point for a longer period of time. And we're not talking about days. We're talking about three instances instead of one. You know, it's still a very small moment of time. But widening that gap is tapping into stillness. And that's my first point, is that there's a lot of creative power in that stillness. So it's not something to avoid or think you've gone wrong with. And then the idea of that, like, we should always make a decision and go one way or the other, I think there's always, you know, going to be times when it's not the time to make a decision. 
where it is the time to let everything be the way it is at that time. But that is, but that's also a decision. Well, okay, but it's yeah, not going in one direction or the other. No, it's being, yeah, true. It's being still, mm-hmm. and so I think it's important to not pressure yourself. Like the premise of our conversation is that everything's in motion. <laughs> we can't stop that. We can't stop things from vibrating. But I also think that it's not always the time to be consciously moving, you know, in the, in the sense that we are recognizing it. Sometimes it's the time to be still. Sometimes it's not for us to always be making a decision to change something one way or the other, because sometimes if we can get still, those things just come to us instead of us having to go towards them. You were talking about that, Walt, about things either moving towards us or us moving towards them or moving away or whatever. And I think that, uh, I guess we've caught me on a day in a week where I'm practicing a lot of stillness and I'm watching things come to me instead of me chasing them, instead of me having to struggle over it, instead of me trying to think of some way to get it. Um, to just be still. So I just wanted to throw that in there because I think it's another important perspective in the conversation is that sometimes it's the time to be still. And I even see that with you, what you said, Walt, you said, you know, oh, I had to realize, wait, the programmer's over there doing what he does and these people are doing what they do. And I like, I don't have to worry about, wait, what am I doing now? Right? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of a stillness in itself, that recognition that I wonder if the, I wonder if the thing is, you know how Eskimos have a hundred words for snow? I wonder if we don't have enough words for stillness. Because stillness doesn't mean stopped. Stillness means that, means you're being a mountain rather than a river. Right? Stillness is inside that I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. But I mean, but it is that, it is that slowness, that, that slowness Mm -hmm. to the imperceptible movement. And you're Um, right. In our society, do we have enough words for stillness? Probably not because we're hard all the time. And I think even when we, when we do that meditation where we are, where we go into our stillness and it feels like I've only done it once or twice, seriously, I'm not, I, I don't meditate enough to get good at this. So, but that stillness where you feel complete and galactic in size, but also incredibly centered, um, that has almost no time and motion, but, but there's still, there's still movement in it. It's just that we don't have the words to wrap around what we want, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's so. I, 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 yeah, I don't think we should be going for movement all the time. I think we should just accept that some that movement is always happening. But we yes. can go down. We can go down to imperceptible and and relish that that being a mountain for a minute. You know, I'm, I'm loving this point. I, I love that you brought this up, Cindy. I think you, you hit on something really great here. Um, I want to throw in uh, a, a juxtaposition of concepts and see what you think. I think there may be a difference between stilling my own self, my own mind, my own perspective, and trying to still reality. Yeah. 
And what I was talking about was trying to still reality. I'm going to make that slice in time stop right there. I want that one right there. Okay. Not slowing it. myself down. I want to slow the reality down. I want the reality to just stop. Okay. Don't nobody <laughs> do anything now. Everybody just stop. <laughs> like they used to do, try and do for the photographs in Victorian times. Like oh everybody hold yourself still for the count of 27. Right. Like, that's why everybody looks like, <laughs> look oh serious. my God, this is over. And no wonder smiling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they used to make little neck braces for kids. So of course, make them hold. I mean, it's <laughs> barbaric, but still, how else could you get a non-blurry picture? Yeah. So, yeah, so, I, I think that that is, that is a key perspective. And it's an important one to remember that stilling yourself, like you're saying, Cindy, is a tool. That is yeah. a valuable tool. But just remember what you're stilling is yourself. Yeah, think, because it's more about being yeah. than doing. Yeah. Like sometimes when we talk about movement in a personal way, like if I say, I really want to move forward, which as coaches, Jackie and I hear things like that a lot, right? I'm, I feel stuck and I want to move forward. Okay. The next question is usually like, what do I do? It's like, it's all about like, I have to be doing something like you said a minute ago. It's like, wait, I need to do something. And sometimes, you know, the, the power comes in the being. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a degree of stillness to recognize the being. It's like, who we are being in the moment, not what we are doing. Cause there's plenty of doing like we can, we can do incessantly if that's what we want to do, but sometimes it just wears us out. <laughs> it doesn't really produce what we're wanting anyway. And then we get frustrated and tired. Like I, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've still haven't gotten, you know, whatever. And so that's to me, that's the place where we get still. Mm. And we and let it is good. make it happen. Mm. Let it happen. Allow. It's allowing it to happen. We we are not doing to get something. We're being so that we can allow something. And then have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that form of stillness demonstrates our real strength and power as creators. Because yeah, it's not, not only is it not easy, it's it in a sense it's almost a way of warping that universe. The universe yeah. is constantly in motion. And for that moment in time, we're pulling ourselves into a, a, a place of stillness while all that craziness is going on. All that chaos is going on. We're time. just staying this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And in the process of doing that, all we, we start making stuff happen. Like you described, stuff comes to us easily at that point. Yeah. Read. Yeah. You should go on walks more often. <laughs> I do them almost every day. It's just that some of them come out really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's taking a four mile walk too if we had the New England trees and the weather here. It's like mm. we went out today for a little while and, and my husband said, let's go eat lunch. Let's go out to lunch. We can sit outside. It's a beautiful day. You know, just get some fresh air, sit outside, be together. Oh my goodness. We did sit outside. It was a beautiful day. We had a lovely lunch and a wonderful time together. It was also like feels like 96 or something. So we can't do it for too long. So I don't think I'd make a four mile walk in our weather, but I'm a little envious of the trees that you get. <laughs> we don't get the colors though. Jackie, do you get fall color? Oh yeah, we've got them now and it's so messy. Fall is very messy. <laughs> it's messy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's my least favorite season. Well, no, winter's my least favorite season, but fall is just like, it's like, oh, Okay, it just means that my summer is over. 
I'll take the 90 degree heat any day. Um, but yeah, it's, it is starting to, they say it's going to be a shorter change because of the drought. The, the trees don't have enough water to, to do it quickly. So they're just going to drop. Um, but at the moment, everything is yellowing and the only thing I like about fall is I look fabulous in orange. So that's, that's about as far as we go. Uh, yeah, I know, right? So yes, but it was a really interesting conversation. Um, I, I think the more we play with how we see the world and how we see the mechanics of the world, the more we empower ourselves to, to use the tools, you know. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Agreed. Brilliant idea. I loved it. Mm. I wanted to also throw in just a side note that's not directly related to this, although it kind of fed it a little bit. Um, I had somebody on the show about 10 days ago, Jackie, who's a friend of yours, Cassie Parks. Was on the show. <gasps> oh my goodness, Cassie. Yes. She was, she was one of the first ones who dived into nesting with me. Ah, so good. Yes. How, I, I haven't spoken to her in ages, but yes, she's, she's, um, she's a fabulous, fabulous human. She is, and, and a great coach. And, and I also had the privilege of interviewing her podcast co-host, Ginny Gain, yesterday. And that conversation actually kind of fueled some of what happened on um, today's walk. So it all fits together in this mysterious way. <laughs> yeah, it's all the way. Yes. But yes, I wanted to make sure that I, I told you about that because uh, you actually came up in the conversation I had with Cassie and, and I said, I don't remember exactly how I pieced it together, but she made reference to you. And I said, Jackie Gates? She's a co-host. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Cassie was sweet enough to mention me in some of, uh, in one of, in her first book. Um, oh. and yeah, and, uh, it's, um, it was an amazing experience to work with her. Uh, and, 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 you know, to get the benefit of her work, her money work is amazing. Um, and, and her scripting work was, transformational for me in the beginning and then i reciprocated by doing nesting work for her so it was very cool yeah she's amazing i've actually invited the two of them to come back together because i wanted to have our audience experience what their podcast is like because they have two very interesting perspectives one's much more of the physical the other one a physicist type thing the other one's more of a spiritual type and and they i can see how they really work well together if you yeah. like i can try to bring get them to come on on wednesday so that you can connect with them too and Sydney connect with them as well. I mean, it's up to you. Guys, I, I think they will do really well on their own, but yeah, maybe something later. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Well, this has been good. And thank you for right. indulging me in my theory and my, my little <laughs> hypothesis. Cause I, I wanted well, to play very own know. Isaac Newton here. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to see how it worked out. I mean, it, it, it worked all nicely in my mind, but it's one thing to have it in the mind. It's the other thing to play it out with somebody else and get those other perspectives. Well, now so. I know how Mrs. Newton must have felt when he <laughs> goes, I just had this idea about, I got hit in the head with an apple and I have this idea. <laughs> and she's going, and she said, not apples again. What? You've got to be practical, Isaac. Come on. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, ladies. I look forward to speaking with you all next week. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on L Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.